cliffcentral.com. The Unview, the Thin, the Rich, and the Fabulous on cliffcentral.com. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's a Thursday, a beautiful Thursday here in South Africa. Um, and uh, this is Alan Ford, and of course, this is the magic of cliffcentral.com and uh, the Unview, where we make entertainment happen in so many, many ways. Um, exciting show. We've got uh, a wonderful guest coming into studio. We've got Eloise Cupido, a uh, well-known actress and presenter. We've got actor Craig Morris coming in. Um, very blessed uh, to get the TLC presenter, David Emanuel, coming into studio as well. And uh, it's interesting because David uh, designed Princess Diana's dress, but is a very famous UK personality. Actually, a very famous international personality when it comes to fashion and um, I suppose he's one of the spokespeople for the royal wedding um, and so we'll chat with him. We'll look at a fabulous thing called the Khat Party and we'll have lots of fun. I am coming to you today from the beautiful town of Nisna here in the Western Cape. Um, the world is funny. It, it really is when you hear how great and funny the story is. But in the studio we have the one and only Chatty Matty, Matthew Coonan. Welcome happening? to the show. Ali, you and Nisner and me in la- Jersey, is that, is this, this is not fair, man. What's going on here? You know, I could be sitting, um, in, I don't know, uh, in, in, on the moon. Yeah. They have Wi-Fi. Actually, that's how brilliant technology has become. Yeah. And I've got a little, a little microphone. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like an old studio mic. One of those crooner mics. Um, post as a, yeah, it's exa- exactly a crooner mic. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's, uh, it's very interesting what you can do. The reason I'm here and I'm not in studio yeah. is the following. This super moon. Superman. Now, let moon, me explain yeah. to you this, this moon. Yeah. The super moon um, has clearly created a lot of havoc within the tides and the weather here in the Western Cape. And I was filming a story um, on a, ma- a man, listen to this, who got bumped twice by a great white. So that's not, that's kind of an, an attack, but they don't bite your leg off. It's like a little nibble and there. <laughs> it's, it's not a nibble, it's a bump Because what he, he was doing was He wasn't trying to eat him He was just like trying to kill him yeah, And hit him right. out to sea Basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a, far, a four and a half meter Great white um, which, is, which is crazy And it is happening here Off a reef in Sedgefield mm-hmm. um, But here's the thing Is that he does a sport called Spearfishing And it's an extreme sport And these guys free dive For like two to three minutes and then they go onto the reef and they shoot fish. They catch fish and they eat the fish, obviously. But I mean, and it's an extreme sport. And while he was while he caught a fish and was pulling the fish up, the great white decided that he wanted the fish. Yeah. And so <laughs> he basically attacked the guy. But we can't film under the water, man, because of this moon at the moment. Because of because of the tides. Yeah. Three meter swells. Um, I wouldn't even know what a swell was, but I mean, it just tells you. <laughs> so that is why I am stuck in. The most beautiful place in the world. So it's not stuck ready. It's just um, I'm not with you in studio. That's all right. But I'm happy you can hear me loud and clear. And I can't wait for a magic show that lies ahead of us this morning. But Alan, I just want to um, check. I just want to check. Have you have you managed to spear any fish yet? Was that not your vibe either? I, I, I don't even know how to how to even throw a line into. I, I can't even swim. What are you talking about? <laughs> I can't swim. I mean, what are you talking? I mean, you think I'm in a free dive? In the swells onto a reef and then go kill fish of in course. great whites. Not my vibe. It's your, it's your butch lie. side, it's man. Thing. It's your butch side. Come on, embrace it. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I'm not, there's no butch side to getting into that type of work. But you know what? 
Mm. It's going to be. You see, the thing is that when you film this type of stuff, is that it's interesting because it's, I'm going to take you into the world of television. And I know we've got quite a few actors coming in. Mm. The world of TV is that you know you have to hire gear to go and film under the water, of course, and you have to take your, the, the cameraman that can actually dive, and then of course we've got to take things like GoPro and put it onto the, the subjects' heads, and. So, and you've got to take the, make sure that the boat launches properly out to sea. So it's quite a, a mission. Right. If you've got high tides, big swells, and the water's murky. The problem is I can't film underwater when you can't see. Of course not. So, it's, so you're basically hanging around to make a, a fabulous um, uh, insert yeah. uh, for the show. But it's going to be divine. And uh, I'll tell you all about it when, when it comes out uh, later next year. And all this prep is obviously to, because of December holidays, uh, Mnet and CakeNet need to get the programming into their systems by about the 10th of December so they can go out for January so because everything's kind of closed. The joys of shooting ahead. Eh? Yeah, amazing. Uh, and we're going to discuss something fabulous in a moment, but what have you been up to, Matthew? You've been around and about. Jeez, you know me, Al. I live in the theater, man. I was at an amazing production last night. I'm not going to give too much away yet. We'll talk about that. I've been off to see the pantomime. I've got the amazing David Emanuel sitting in front of me. Good morning, David. Good morning, sir. As we speak. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to a hut party on Saturday. And um, I know we're going to well, be chatting about it, that with Chris, right? Yeah, well, with me is Chris Emanuel. And uh, I've got to tell you, this is one of the most phenomenal things uh, that, that actually happened in Johannesburg. It kind of normalizes a uh, gay society. Right. In some sense, it's not a rave, it's not a trance party, it's not a doof doof. It's allowing people to come together to. Can you hear me? Matt? Totally, totally. Got you there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it allows people to come together, and when, when people come together, here's the most interesting thing is that uh, they do lung aram. Uh, dancing, um, can we, gays we, and gays. We, I mean, gay, men and men and women and women doing these the the, the long arm dancing. Alan, some of the most wonderful Afrikaans music. Ellen, I, I need to ask the yes. question: Why do we call it a hut party? Yeah, a whole party. I, I, I don't, I don't understand this. Chris, why do we call it a? Hi everyone, how are you? Good, and you, Chris. Hi, David. David, we happen to have the exact same surname. I don't know if it's fake. Indeed, but I, th- I think you're double M. I'm one M. I think. Are you double M oh, as a manual? Okay, yes, that's so uh, there's, yes, an, that's a, there's, there's an M between us, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and his name is Matthew. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> or a long M. Mm. Yeah. But I, 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 okay, I, so the, the, can, I, can I just, I did a program in the UK where they trace your background. Yeah. And I was very much thinking I'm Emmanuel with one M, but apparently it's all to do with the registrar. When you go to register the birth, if he's not very good at spelling, ah. he can put a double M or one M. And yeah, they might be running low on ink. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. So we could po- uh, yeah, possibly be related. We could be related. Yeah, we could possibly, but you know, my surname is um, of a French and Lebanese origin, and I know that it wasn't spelt the way it is now. Oh. Um, it, it's, it's definitely the origin of that. I, I don't want to even pronounce what it's supposed to sound like. Well, I, you won't I, I'm, okay. I'm Welsh through and through, but, oh. people, but people think I'm from Israel or Spain or wherever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, so that's the origin of the word, of the Chat party, the name the Chat party. Yeah. I, I, to be perfectly honest, there is no record. Um, at all, uh, we all have dirty minds, and we could probably figure out what it's all about. Of course, but um, it's definitely there's no official record as to where and how the Hut Party got called the Hut Party. Um, it started many years in Cape Town. Unfortunately, the original one is in fact 
um, not happening anymore, which is the one I based my sort of idea on it up in Johannesburg. The Milton but, um, we have plans of yeah, we have plans afoot to to sort of resuscitate um, the the one in Cape Town and also possibly Durban. So it's something that's spreading. But yeah, it's it's a it's a very interesting one. But I can't give you the origin of the name. I don't know. <laughs> the interesting thing about this, uh, um, uh, Matt, and uh, and to people listening to us, is that it's about a lot of people in front of their families. These families are still are so conservative that they don't want to. Dance together intimately, mm. um, so it's not. We're not talking, we're talking about waltzing. So this is a, an arena where they can come along, uh, and 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 because uh, I've been to it, I was in shock the first time I went because I've never seen men and men, men and together yeah. dancing, slow dancing. You know, it's a bit, and then then doing the the, the fox trot. You know, it's it's quite interesting. <laughs> fox trots. Um, I saw a bit of pokering going or pokering going on there. Oh, po- pokering oh, no. too. Let me tell you. <laughs> Hick hillbilly stuff, and so I just thought it was it was quite interesting that at least this, there's an opportunity for people who want to intimately or dance together yeah. um, without just dancing alone, you know, doing the the, the your vibe, yeah, um, to to be able to have this type of event, and it's 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 full and it's gay and it's gay friendly and it's something that's really quite entertaining and special and because we talk entertainment on the show, mm. it's an important thing to talk about and uh, and Chris, tell us all about what's happening this week. Okay, so on Saturday is the last one of the year. We, we have had incredibly successful run this year. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the cut party is such a unique space and there is such a bad name attributed to, um, gay nightlife around the world. And in South Africa in particular, the choices are extremely thin. And this is just a, a, a safe, uh, fun, um, interesting place to go and as i said it's just grown in popular in the sense of growing in popularity we, we don't we have a set number of people that can go it sells out every time so it, it doesn't get bigger and bigger and bigger we maintain a sem- semi sort of intimate feel um and yeah i just think the response from the community has always been one of the comments i'd get all the time is wow this is just such good natured fun and this is really not not dabbling in the, the, the dark side of entertainment. It's just good natured. It's really, I always explain it to people like a wedding without the formalities. So you're coming to something where you don't have to wait for the speeches and wait for the stuff before that fun dancing happens. And Alice says it's a safe space. When you're a gay couple at a wedding, there's always that moment of fear. Are you going to get up and dance together while the rest of normal society in inverted commas is dancing? And it doesn't feel that comfortable. So this is kind of your excuse. You get out there. You have a huge, huge, huge blast. Um, Listen. Um, much tequila is consumed through the night. And, yeah. <laughs> that helps. Chris, the only, the only fear I have as a gay man is being knocked off the dance floor by some really rather large um, lesbian friends. Um, that's, that is that, so, you, uh, you know okay. what I mean? Some hot lesbians. <laughs> I can tell you that um, it's been a, this is also a really interesting point. And the Chat Party is possibly one of the only places where we are managing to combine yeah. the gay and the lesbian community. And it is so awesome. But I want to tell you something. Don't think that just um, a lesbian or a, anyone who's serious about their dancing are going to knock you off the floor. And in fact, the last time I literally ended up on my face on the floor because I was too busy in a conversation, a really good song came up and I got smacked out of the way. Yeah. And there's no apology when that, when that happens. So it's just, uh, you know, it's the twilight zone of entertainment. You've yeah. got to be there to see it. And I'm so looking forward to you coming and seeing it because um, you'll, you'll come back every single time. And the last time I took all of my straight mates, I had a huge table 
and Are they, they coming were again? just um, this time not because they're actually the people that I would have invited are busy. Right. But um, a lot of people have subsequently ended up using it as their office party, for instance, or Amazing. as something to get out and do something different. And um, there's there's wide eyes at the beginning. Uh, people sort of very very sort of shocked at what they're seeing. And then as this first sort of, sort of drink or two goes down, they all get involved and have the best time. And yeah, it's it's a wonderful open <clears throat> and free environment. It it, uh, it costs a hundred rand to get in, Chris. And by the way. Uh, People can bring their own food and drink, eh? No way. That's the interesting thing. Um, if you book a table. If yeah. you book a table. Otherwise, a bar. Yeah. Yes, you bring your own booze if there's a table of eight people. If you buy a little single ticket, you come and you enjoy the cash bar. So there's sort of two, two elements. In fact, next year we're also discussing just including a, a student t- ticket because we're finding that the sort of student element is finding 100 bucks a little bit expensive. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of things going on. But, um, yeah, 100 bucks and you, Where's it we don't encourage buying at the door. But um, you can buy online on Quicket if you just Google the Parker's Cut Party on Quicket. You'll find the tickets, and if you book them online there, um, you can contact me at the last minute via the Facebook page and telephone number on the Facebook page if suddenly you've got extra mates that are coming, which often happens. Brilliant. So it's the Parkhurst Hut Party on Facebook? Fe- the Parkhurst Hut Party on Facebook. Just follow that page. And, uh, and it's, yeah, it's 100 bucks. It's lots of fun. But seriously, please, uh, I, 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 go and see it. It's really, really it's cool. And uh, Tammy Macabre, top Johannesburg DJ. Top wedding DJ actually yeah. um, is the DJ, and uh, and so it's it it's, it ends at midnight, so it's literally from seven to twelve, and it's five hours of fun, and it, it's it's yeah, it's really cool. And those Cinderellas uh, need to get Manuel. home, eh? Oh, those Cinderellas need to get home yes, before twelve o'clock. Cinderellas before we turn into pumpkins. Except that the wonderful thing is that I was born a bit of a pumpkin, so it's all good. <laughs> so I was just gonna, I could go to one. But no. <laughs> That's all another story. Um, this is the unview that. Than the rich and the fabulous here on cliffcentral.com. It's uh, good to be with you uh, all the way from Neisner, and we've got Chatty Maddie in the studio uh, who's holding the fort as uh, I come from this beautiful town. Um, you know, when you hear of TLC top programming like Say Yes to the Dress and, of course, other shows like I'm a Celebrity Get Out of Here, you know of this name, David Emanuel. But you would know David Emanuel, Matt, from possibly being one of the most Famous designers for the most famous dress of all time. And it really is the most famous dress of all time. Yeah. Because David Emanuel created a dress for a woman called Debbie. That was her, her alias uh, in, the eight, in the early in 1980. Yeah. Uh, Intriguing stuff. The dress came out on that magnificent day as the world and a billion people stopped to see it as Princess Diana walked down the aisle. We have him in studio, top fashion designer, David Emanuel. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning. Wowza. What was it like to, 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 to design a dress for Princess Diana? Now, I, I know that Lord Snowden, through Vogue, um, introduced you or introduced you to her, mm-hmm. but what was it like to have her come in for fittings and knowing that this was going to possibly and was one of the most powerful people in the world? Well, you have to, I think you have to remember, I was only three years out of the Royal College of Art. So I was just finished as a student and I set up with my ex-wife at the time, my business called Emmanuel. I say Emmanuel, E-M-A-N-U-E-L, not the soft porn movie Emmanuel. (laughs) (laughs) And cue the music. (laughs) Can you imagine when I started my business, every time I'd pick up the phone, I'd say, good morning, Emmanuel. Oh, is that? No, no, it's not Sylvie Cristel. It's not the soft porn movie. No, I'm a fashion designer. Um, No, listen, um, fresh out of college, we started business. My first... My very first private client was Bianca Jagger. 
Oh, okay. It was rather hot. And, uh, and then from there it grew and we got known. And um, yes, in fact, you're quite right. Vogue magazine were doing some pictures and Lord Snowden was the photographer. And Vogue rang and said, could you send something in? I said, well, who's it for? We, we, you know, they said, oh, it's, we can't tell you. But I said, well, what color hair? She got blonde. So I happened to have a very soft, uh, pale pink uh, chiffon blouse with a little satin bow. So I said, well, I can't just send in a blouse. So we whipped up a skirt rather swiftly and sent it over to Vogue. And at the photo session with Lord Snowden, there was a rack of clothes. And she goes, oh, I like that one. And it was mine. Wow. And then from there, she rang up. Now, remember, at that time, it was all cloak and dagger. He was doing pictures in advance for her for her engagement. Mm. But she came and knocked on the door and said, hello, I hear you do some pretty things. <laughs> so we did, in fact, four, four dresses, four gowns for her before the world knew who Lady Diana was. And one particular time she came in and she said, I need something formal. I said, okay, so I happened to have a black silk taffeta bodice. So put that on and I said, okay, we'll do a skirt. And she was young. She was barely, she's 18. And I thought, you know, for a girl to arrive at a party with just a strapless gown was a bit, you know, it's a bit too over the top. So I did a little, whipped up a little shawl. So when she arrived, um, I got home that night from my studio and switched on the news and you saw the limousine pull up. Prince Charles got out and there was Diana. I said, oh, that's that's the girl. That's the girl I've just done a frock for. <laughs> Honestly. And the wiser. Yeah, yeah. Go, God, that's her. And then so with him, I thought, ah. And then, of course, it was quickly announced that they, it was the first time Diana was seen in public with Prince Charles. So I thought, there's something going on here. And then suddenly the, the announcement came. And then it took, it seemed like an, an age where suddenly... Uh, to my studio, she rang one morning and said, would we do the honor of making her wedding gown? Wow. And that was it. My life changed. She was the sweetest, most charming, beautiful girl. You know, luckily, perhaps in your life, you meet one special person. If we're lucky, if we're really lucky. And she was one of those. There was no, there was no ceremony about her. She was utterly natural and tall and slim, a little bit of puppy fat at that stage. Yeah. You know, she was, uh, you know, coming to the end of her teenage years. And um, and we had great fun. It was very informal, which was wonderful. I was expecting a lot of advice from, from Buckingham Palace. Do this, do, don't do that. None of that. So you were completely autonomous. Completely. And, yeah. yeah. Elizabeth, my ex-wife, and I, we sat down. We sit, sit on, on the carpet with her. We go through ideas. We try this sleeve on, try this bodice. And we sort of... And then after about the third visit, she said, oh, could my mother come? I said, of course. Of course. So late, uh, Mrs. Shankid came. We, we whipped up a sketch and she said, this is what's going <gasps> Right. And then we ripped it up because we did, we didn't want the press getting any idea of what was going on. And then, um, and then we got a phone call from Buckingham Palace press office and said, Mr. Manning, it will be announced across the airways as of tomorrow that you and your wife have been chosen to design her gown. Then it all went crazy. Wow. Then it went nuts. I mean, if you think now, with the paparazzi and everything. This was over 35 years ago. I mean, literally, we were, sur- my tiny little studio was surrounded by paparazzi and long, you know, camera lenses. lenses. I had to run round onto on, on Oxford Street to a certain store to buy roller blinds. <laughs> and then we put a roller blind. We were literally in darkness for the whole run up to the whole wedding. I guess you can be thankful there was no social media yet. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> but we, we, I had journalists ringing up trying to make an appointment to be a cl- 
a client, and as soon as they arrived, I said, no, 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 you're, you're a journalist. Mm. <laughs> so we had to close our business. We had to close our business, look after Diana. And she was just a dream. Um, and I'd say, uh, when we came to fit, you know, the, the famous train, yeah. 25 foot. Yeah. Well, my, my, my small studio, we couldn't, we couldn't do 25 foot. So I said, darling, we, we have to come over to you. <laughs> so over to you was Buckingham Palace, <laughs> and, and and this is the only place we could do to to, to mark it out. So I was responsible. So we were shown up to the bedroom where Diana was staying, and I said, "We promised, like everybody, like everybody, to keep it a secret." And I said, "Darling, all these flunkies, all these door, you know, what are they doing?" She, she blushed. I said, "Well, they can't be here. It's supposed to be secret." So I was responsible for saying to the footman, "You've got to go." Yeah. Out, <laughs> close to the you. door, yeah. and then right at the other end of the hall, I said, you've got to go as well. So I was responsible for cordoning off an entire floor of Buckingham Palace. They must have loved you. So, uh, yeah. on, are you saying that she actually did live with Prince Charles before they got married? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> did I say that? <laughs> now, that's how rumours start. Did I didn't say a word of that. <laughs> no, 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 no. And um, she was just a delight. We had a lot of fun. I think sense of humour helps. But as the run-up, it, it, it really occurred to us then that all the press were running stories. Do you realise this is probably going to be the, the most important wedding of all time, royal wedding, and possibly 750 million people, it would seem like. Um, yeah. So but we, 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 so, so we kept our heads and, and got on with the job, delivered the frock to um, Clarence House, which is the Queen Mother's residence the day before, with all the corgis. That's another story. And um, and then on the day, it was an early start, rest, um, car to pick us up, uh, driven to Clarence House. And I made sure that the bridesmaids were in one room, all the children, and then Diana had a separate room. Mm. Because, you know, the kids get, you know, ballistic. They're running around and charged. Caught up in a train. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I I tell you one thing. I don't know if you've heard this. Um, She was dressed, ready to go. And it was, you know, it had to work like clockwork because you can't be late. Well, she was a little bit, but not, you know, everybody's waiting. And I got her dressed in the bedroom. And I just said to Diana, darling, do you remember doing the double hook because she had a vast crinoline petticoat mm. and she's I can't remember said, oh god mm. I was thinking if I don't check the, halfway down St Paul's it, you know this petticoat will go awry you know it'll go floating off by itself so I said there's only one way to find out now imagine I'm in a frock coat wing collar cravat carnation I've got to check this petticoat so up and down and under under the skirt and up <laughs> checking underneath <laughs> and as I was resurfacing from under clouds of tulle and petticoat and crinoline, Danny said, oh, David, have you met the Queen Mother? <laughs> <laughs> and there standing was the Queen Mother. Well, I went bright pink, <laughs> caught my breath, and she, she had a quizzical look, like, what the hell is he up to? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and she said, good morning, Mr. Man. I said, good morning. And she really stopped by to wish Diana good luck before the wedding, which I thought was very sweet. Uh-huh. So that was one of the many, many stories. Um, and as far as the world was concerned, I think they liked it. As far as I was concerned, uh, when Diana was going off with Charles to her honeymoon, she called my studio and said, thank you so much. That Charles loved it and the Queen loved it and the royal family loved it. And bingo, my job is done. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> awesome. But now you've David, had... um... Go, Al, Sorry, go. Uh, Dave. 
Yes. David, tell me something. But, I mean, you've seen years of success. I mean, you've worked with a lot of people. Yes. What do you think made Diana, and we can close it at this point uh, yeah. in terms of her, um, what made her so special? What was it in her? Was it that X factor? Was it her humility? Because there was something that, 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 that she obviously carried throughout her life. I think it's, um, it's caring. She cared about people. I mean, for instance, with me, just in my small world at that time, she'd ring me on a Monday morning, David, I need some help, I need a frock. So, okay, quickly race over, do a sketch, make it, deliver it by the Friday. And without fail, every time we made something for her, she'd write a thank you letter. Mm. She cared. Mm. She cared about people. And you know all this thing, she she wasn't a clothes horse to start with. I mean, can you imagine, every time she wore polka dot socks, the world wanted polka dot socks. Every time she wore a pleated skirt, the world wanted pleated skirts. Mm. Um, she was above that. Um, I can honestly say she put British fashion on the map. Mm. Um, and right up, right from the very beginning to the day of her divorce, she totally, totally supported British fashion, British fashion designers. It wasn't until after her divorce that you saw that in foreign designers like Armani or, or Versace. I mean, up till then, she'd been totally loyal and put British fashion designers bang on the map. That's fashion. But she was more than that. She cared. She cared about people. She certainly cared about children. Mm. And I think, you know, if you've got that certain kindness, it shows. And mm. she just exuded, exuded from every pore, kindness and, and well-being. And, and people adored that. You, you could not not be affected. When she glanced those blue eyes at you, it was all over. Mm. That mm. was, it, okay, Tickets. whatever. Whatever you, whatever you say, whatever you want, I'll do, you know. Yeah. She, was, she was a truly beautiful person. Wonderful. Mm. Now you're you're out in South Africa. I am, and you are you are. Um, what what are you doing here? You obviously we know we you involved with say yes to the dress. Well, you know, say yes to the dress. I used to watch as a fan. I used yeah. to see it on British television, the American version, and I thought this is a lot of fun. And then who who would have thought that suddenly I get this phone call to meet the TLC people? And they said, would you host it? And I said, why not? Yeah, mm. why not? I love it. Um, it's it, it's essentially a show. Um, th that uh, a bride comes in and I help her choose a gown. Mm. The other side of the show is the entourage. <laughs> now, a bride, well, a, a, young, a young bride will come in with her mother, her best friend, <laughs> her, her maid of honour, and in some cases, her future mother-in-law. Why, why would a bride <laughs> bring in a future mother-in-law? Sure. That's when the fun begins. And I have to, in some cases, ha have to keep them apart and, 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 and support them. And, but ultimately, I'm there to make the bride look the best she can on her big day. But it's a lot of fun. Um, we did, we launched actually series one with 40 shows. Wow. Um, then I filmed two specials for them. And then, hello turn around, have a blink, have a bit of a rest, and they've announced Series 2. So I've got another 40 shows to do. And um, so, yeah, you're, you're actually getting it over here. So it's the UK version. Yeah. You get it on TLC, which That's I think correct. is Channel one, 172. Right. 172. And uh, so I'm here, basically, they have a showcase. Discovery and TLC have a big showcase, which we did, was it last night? I think it was last night. Was it the night before? No, the night before. Mm. Lost track of time. Um and we, we showed it to the media and to the other channels, and we had fun. Of course. <laughs> we had a lot. My section, they, they had these fabulous dancers, four dancers, all dressed in tiny little wedding dresses. 
and I actually did a Beyonce dance on stage. <laughs> did you put a ring on it? Yeah, I'd put a ring on it, put a ring on it, put a ring on it. <laughs> and we had a lot of fun, great, great, um, great response. Yeah. And, and, um, and then, uh, it's just been mad. I mean, wonderful reaction. Um, and, and I've, all the journalists that I've met and the people have been very interested and, and, and asking really nice questions and saying very nice things. And, um, fingers crossed you're going to love it. Fantastic. I, I think it's been screened. I think there's been your, your bridal day is a Sunday in, in UK. It's a Friday. It's a bride's Friday, but here it's a Sunday. And, um, I mean, the women seem to love it. Mm. I'm there basically, or all, apart from all the fun, if you listen carefully, I'm giving out good constructive criticism. Mm. Mm. I'm saying, darling, this fishtail is, is marvellous, but it's not for you. Sure. And I guide mm. them mm. gently, gently <laughs> into the right frock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my job. Oh, man. And tell me, the, the, the era of, of meringues? Meringues and Now listen, on I, I, I have this thrown at me every time. Yes, was I responsible for the meringues? Well, I did dine in this enormous dress. And you know what, amazingly? The biggest it, meringue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and that look, we, we now call it the Cinderella look or the fairy tale look. It's still around, but now the look is, uh, at the moment, is trending. This fishtail. Well, I don't call them fishtails. I call mm. them Jessica Rabbit dresses. Yes. Ah, yes. You know? Yeah. Hello, yeah, you know exactly. Now that's the dress. Now, unfortunately, not an awful lot of girls can wear that silhouette. Yeah. So they come in, I've got to have a fishtail. Okay, put her into a fishtail, marvellous. I said, you know what, I think we should try this. Let's try this, let's try that. And invariably, they end up with, without the fishtail, thank the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes fishtails don't work, particularly in satin. <laughs> girls listening to the show... Stay away from satin because <laughs> satin can make you look enormous. Mm. <laughs> Dave, but, um, yes. tell me what, uh, in terms of your commercial arm of your business, is Emmanuel still going? Can people still come to you to have a dress made like people go to Elisard? I mean, is that still happening? Yes, I, I still have private clients in London. You can, you know, I'm online. You can look at the book, the directory, and, and make an appointment mm -hmm. and see me, and I will do. Okay. But just be warned, unfortunately, because I have wonderful seamstresses, my gowns are rather expensive. Yeah. Um, yes, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> because no, Only because I'm using the best silks and satins, and, and my workmanship is... Is, is above and beyond, um, and and if you know if you want beautiful embroidery, unfortunately you've got to pay for it. Mm. But London couture is still less expensive than Paris couture. Mm. So if you're coming over, David, skip skip Paris and come to London. <laughs> David, uh, what is your what is your favourite fashion experience or fashion story besides Princess Diana that you can share with us? Gosh, because there's so many. Um, where do I start? Um, that's, you know, that's, a, you see, they ask good questions. Yeah, you know, occasionally we have yeah, them, eh? Yeah, oh, hang on. Speak to somebody else. Give me a moment. <laughs> I have to come back to that. <laughs> no, every, every, every no, but seriously, every, every private client is, is different. Every private client is, wants something different, you know. Um, I loved uh, dressing uh, an old friend of mine, one of my very first clients, other than Bianca Giacob, was Jane Seymour, the Hollywood actress Jane Seymour. I've known forever. Good old Dr. Quinn. Uh, Dr. Quinn, that's her. She's so so when I'm st I stay, when I go to Los Angeles, I stay at her home. Yeah. And she said, I've got this new series. This is a million years ago. I've got this new series. And so that she was out filming. The car was sent. I went with the, her assistant, drove over into the canyon, 
And I said, oh, it's cowboys and Indians. <laughs> I don't like cowboys and Indians. And she said, no, it's turn of the century. <laughs> what? No, it's cowboys and Indians. But anyway, she, she's an amazing lady and worked really hard in that. And, and uh, so, yeah, along the way, I, and then I ended up doing her wedding gown. Right. Well, <clears throat> so it wasn't going to be ivory. It wasn't going to be clotted cream. It wasn't going to be champagne. Well, it was marriage number four. Yes. So, so what was it? Peach. <laughs> How peachy. Peach. And I did it. She loves to dance. I did her in a peach uh, French Antilles lace dress with an overskirt, layers and layers of silk organza. Mm. And that was for the ceremony and the flowers and blah, blah, blah. And then when it came to the dance, it, whoosh, the oh. overskirt came off. And underneath was a little oh. cocktail dress oh. so she could dance. Oh. Yeah, oh, it was man. fun. Jeez. David? <laughs> I've got to say, it's been such an honor having you with us. And I want to tell you, we cannot wait to speak to you uh, more regularly. Perhaps we can cross over the lines and, and chat. Uh, you are a, an absolute master of your work. And, uh, and thank you for being in South Africa. We look forward to having you here many on many more occasions. Thank you so much. And enjoy the show. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And that you. is David Emmanuel. He's a TLC presenter. He is top, top designer. And, uh, and yes, he's here on the Unview. Uh, Matthew, we've started with the hut part. We've discussed uh, the beautiful program, Say Yes to the Dress. After this little break, we've got Eloise Caputa and Craig Morris in studio. Don't go away. Not everyone who likes cars is a petrol head. Some of us prefer the unmotoring side of cars. Yet we all spend so much time in these machines that they have become an extension of our personalities and reflect quite a bit about who we are and where we are in our life stages. On Auto Central, we understand this. Make sure you're up to speed with all things motoring by tuning into Auto Central every Monday morning at 9 a.m. just after the Gareth Cliff Show or download the podcast on autotrader.co.za. Auto Central, motoring's biggest power hour. Powered by Auto Trader. The Unview, the thin, the rich, and the fabulous on cliffcentral.com. Well, that was the village people with YMCA. We're speaking about the fabulous today, and we are surrounded by absolute fabulosity. Yay! Yay! <laughs> welcome, 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 Eloise Capito. And hello, Craig Morris. Hello. Hello, gorgeouses. How are you, Matt? All right. Oh, my. Hello, I should come here more often. I haven't seen you in... Yeah, it's been a long, long. time. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Yes. It's we been a while. We've got Alan down in Neisner, Eloise, <sighs> and he is, he's tuned in via, via Skype and the, and the, the, the amazing, the amazingness of technology is oh, assisting goodness. us this morning. Love it. But, but, but you see, Matt, mm. Eloise knows because Eloise is meant to be here. Oh, really? Doing yeah. the story. <laughs> but a pregnant woman, <laughs> seriously. Pregnant, pregnant woman with a spear woman. in her hand. I'm not so sure about <laughs> this, Al. Yeah, yeah, there's laws and against the that. And the boats out at sea and feed me the swells. And four and a half Eloise, shots. that's why I'm not in the studio, darling. I mean, I'm busy filming. Even, I, know. Here. I know. And my you know bump, what I'm doing. My bump thanks you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's dead, actually. <laughs> Thanks <you> even more. <laughs> oh, Eloise, I yes. have to just so say. Thank you. I, I have to say, I'm jumping right in there now. We, we, you've spoken about your preggy bump already, <laughs> but I read the most beautiful little titbits on you and how you met and how you met your your man. Yeah. Come on, indulge us. It, no, I mean, well, it's a bit of a rom com story, actually. Yeah. Um, and I was going to propose the story to the, the, the airline that no longer exists, but I think it would be best to unlink our story from that airline. Yeah. Um, 
the tagline was going to be meet the love of your life one time. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but that didn't quite <laughs> pan out. I never approached them, thank goodness. Um, yeah, we met on a flight from Cape Town to Johannesburg. And uh, by the end of the flight, I think I kind of knew I was going to marry him. I just <laughs> <laughs> waited for him to... Um, Come closer to that realization and accept his inevitable fate. fate. Mm. And he did kind of resent me for a while. He's like, all that pressure. And I was like, no, I just knew. My my soul saw you. And and, uh, and it smiled instantly. And sm- no, you know what? It's, this is actually quite bizarre. Yeah. Um, my soul really did see him because like, we had a date, I think, five days ago, later. And uh, I couldn't remember what he physically looked like. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just knew he was handsome, right? Because <laughs> the ticket, the checking counter says, um, as I check in and go, because I went down for a German movie to do a, a makeup and wardrobe check. And uh, it's a one day in and out, and so I'm coming back, and I'm so relaxed. And she says to me, um, as I turn away from the counter, she goes, Oh, so by the way, I checked you in next to a hunk. Oh, come on. Please, you don't say that to somebody in the entertainment industry. We're surrounded by hype, and half the hunks around cannot put two words together. They're beautiful to look at, but that's it. And I like at that point in my life, I wasn't really looking for empty. Um, and so I completely shut off. Uh, I saw him, he sat on my seat, and then he started talking. I was like, oh gosh, vacuous. Because the first thing he said to me was, uh, so did you get me something? And I thought, Woo! Opening line. I should have known that. Yeah, well, yeah, he can't remember that, but I can remember right. it. Well. Chicken or beef? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he kind of did that kind of thing. <laughs> and then the verbal sparring went. Um, and so when I saw him five days ago, um, later. Ugh, later. yeah, yeah, he, I'm pregnant. Sorry, man. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's the no, reverse no, thing. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just jumping in there. Work with me. Work. Thank yeah, you, Craig. Yeah. Thank you. Have you been pregnant before? Hey, well, uh, in a surrogate sense. <laughs> <laughs> By association. Yes, no, totally. You know, like, <laughs> When your wife's pregnant, you I've been pregnant since I was five years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that one. <laughs> it's, it's that pumpkin you're carrying, Ellen. It's that pumpkin. Yeah, we, we are in competition <laughs> someday, so I, yeah, my bump. Anyway, so, <laughs> when I, when I stood next to him, I realized, oh yeah, this is the same guy. So, this is a longer story, and I'm not gonna bore you or the listeners uh, or him because he kind of interjects and says I'm padding the story <laughs> he's lying I'm telling absolute truth but uh, yeah so in a nutshell that's us I love it I absolutely love it <laughs> uh, so the, the, uh, the other thing that I want to know here small I don't want to say small girl like massively massively famous personality hailing from Montague mm-hmm. hey how does that I mean Montague must be wild and crazy for you do you go back? What's the yeah, I, I do go home. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing. I think uh, I now and ever since getting to Johannesburg, I'm extraordinarily grateful for having grown up in such a small town. Um, the one amazing side is that everybody knows you. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows about you. They protect you. I remember all the drama now around um, our youth and how they're struggling and all the peer pressure and, and just the abuse. We used to walk around four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Friends and I, if, like that auntie would know who your mom is, and if you caught on nonsense, right? Like the entire community had you. Mm. 
the flip side is the entire community had you. Yeah. So everybody <laughs> knew about everybody's yeah. everything. Um, nothing the, was hidden. <laughs> the dark side of Ubuntu. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, like obviously Afrikaans is my mother tongue, right? So I, I watched my mom once when I went home. It is the most amazing thing. I think gossip is like uh, an Olympic sport in a small town. <laughs> because like I watched her, something happened. And like by the 11th person we went to, the story had completely morphed. And at one point I couldn't hold back. I said like, mom, that's not what happened. She turned on me. She went, who's telling the story? And don't you interrupt your elders. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So from there on, it's they are amazing. They take a lot of pride. Of course. And, and I take a lot of pride coming from Montague. I think I mentioned it in every single interview. Yeah. Just to remember, because you must remember, Craig and I are a little bit older than most people around. Mm. So, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, listen, we don't look at these fabulous creams these days. We can oh, just no. put it on and sleep and water and all of that. But um, when I grew up, there wasn't people like me in the entertainment industry. Mm. There wasn't people from a small town in any way, in any sphere of life who made it out, who excelled, who, who went beyond the borders of the small town. Today, they're still there. But now kids aspire to be TV stars, astronauts, because mm. they see people like them do sure. that. And so it is such a divine miracle that, that I got inspired by a lady called Marina Becker and Marianne Stander, um, who came to direct a play at our school that I accidentally was, no, not quite accidentally, but, um, that I was a part of. <laughs> and they planted the seed to come study at Turkey's. And when I look back, gosh, I can't imagine what would have happened if mm. that Intervention hadn't happened Because we didn't have money to go study I mean I see this fees sure. full um, struggle We we didn't <laughs> There was just no dream But you know I mean the irony is You know you, right place at the right time And who would have thought it was in Montague That you would have discovered those those two individuals Who just you know set you on that track That is the divinity of life If you allow it Yeah Because I can guarantee you A lot of other people also get gaps In mm. small towns And never take it Yeah Never, like, I, I think, I think, um, looking back now, no, never mind the fact that I'm now known. I wasn't popular at school. <laughs> I was a bit of a nerd, right? So it's like my face was in books all the time. I actually prefer books a lot of the time and my animals too. But people. now your face is in books as well. Which, uh, in another <laughs> yeah, well, way. <laughs> not necessarily always the best way, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, so, like, Craig, tell us now. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you, no, Louise, because um, you I'm must, not there in the studio. You must interrupt. Yeah, yeah, jump in. Um, but you guys, have, you guys have worked together, you and Louise. Yes. Yes, yes. Years ago. Let's years. Even the Lonnie days, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, no, the, um, the stage lighting was still candles. You know? yeah. <laughs> oh, those days. Oh, come crazy. on. Yeah. It's not that far. There was like a spotlight on one of us yeah, whenever that we spoke. Yeah, one spotlight that is connected to ESCOM. Craig, I mean, your career has been also enormous uh, from mm. a lot of television work, film work. Um, uh, adverts, but, but I mean, just recently, uh, as yesterday, Matthew saw you, um, on stage yes. in a one man show, which I believe is exceptional. What do you prefer? Which genre do you love most? Uh, definitely theater. Yes. Li- live theater. That's my passion. Uh, yes, I do all those other things to, you know, kind of, uh, make money because uh, there isn't really, uh, well, especially in the theater that, that I kind of do, mm-hmm. it's independent theater. It's, um, Originally produced theater, so it's not the big musicals and what have you. I love those, uh, those kinds of theater as well, but yeah, this is all ind- independently produced original works. 
Um, but definitely that's my passion. Uh, there's, there's nothing better for me than, you know, being up on stage. There, your audience is right there mm. within arm's length of you. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's and a it's, really it's a direct. You've got a direct link in it. If it's done well, you get that energy loop. Totally, which a, nothing on this planet nothing can compares to it. I, I call it alchemy because it really it's a chemical reaction that mm. happens in that room or in that auditorium. And it's addictive as well, yeah. eh? If once you've felt that, <laughs> yeah, you want to yeah, recreate. Yeah, we're we're just junkies. It's yeah. a fix. But totes. Like, yeah. so, so Craig, mm. what is it about? Tell me all about. It. It's a one-man show. I believe it's, it's ninety minutes of rhyme. Oh yeah, well, it's, we've we've edited down to about seventy-five minutes now. The original was ninety. You know, just audiences these days, the attention span issue. <laughs> but uh, yes, it's the the entire the the play is called Johnny Boskak is feeling funny. It's about this guy, Johnny Boskak. Uh, he's a, a white guy in his forties. He survived conscription in the army during the height of apartheid. Um, but like many guys from that generation, he got spat out on the other side of the system and didn't know how to fit back into society, how to assimilate himself. So he hits the road. He becomes a hitchhiker. Um, and he's just going all over South Africa, tough, trying to find the answer to that question. Who, who is he? Where does he belong? He's a white guy in South Africa. I, I think it's a relevant question today. Um, and yeah, the whole story is told in rhyming couplets. So, so it's essentially a 75 minute long rap. It's an epic rock poem. It's kind of, um, natural born killers mixed with Bonnie and sure. Clyde, mixed sure. with, uh, Aerosmith and Pink Floyd all mashed up into one epic, beautiful piece of story. It's, it's really is amazing. And I'm, I'm very honored to be part of that whole, um, chemical reaction. Did yeah. you write that? No, it was actually written by Greg Kutsia, yeah. uh, wow. um, a friend and colleague of mine. Uh, you know, Greg, uh, he, uh, I think the piece that he's best known for is a piece called White Men with Weapons, mm. which is kind of his semi-autobiographical um, uh, play that he wrote about his experiences as a conscientious objector in, in the army in back in the day. And Johnny Boskak was actually a small character that featured in that play. Um but a lot of people after the after White Men with Weapons came to him and said, there's that Johnny Boska character. Very interesting. And he got to thinking about that. He had this character developing in his head. And eventually, three weeks before festival, he'd, you know, he'd signed up to do this play, Johnny Boska, for festival. And he had nothing. Jeez. And his director said to him, listen, Greg, we need to start working on this play. <laughs> you know, you open in three weeks. <laughs> and he literally sat down. Um, and in the space of three weeks, he just churned out this like i said it's a epic piece of genius mm -hmm. um i i urge everybody out there to come and see this play you know even if you don't enjoy my performance or my telling of it you'll enjoy, yeah yeah it's kak boskak <laughs> <laughs> you will you will walk away astounded by the content of the play you know it's just speaking about greg I, I read something that he wrote and i just i thought this is this is absolutely it he said the best war films are the ones that focus on what happens after yeah, uh -huh. you know. Yeah. So, so we know, we know, we know, they, we know their guns and their shots and people dying and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but what yeah. happens to that person afterwards? Exactly. And we see Johnny going through this existential crisis. He's he's yeah. a, he's, he's tormented. Yeah. With what to well, do with himself? Well, I think this is the key. You know, um, a, a lot of people have said, "Oh, okay, this is a show about a white guy," and you know, what's the relevance and stuff. But I think Johnny's story is a microcosm. It's a microcosm of the the war 
that we as South Africans mm. have emerged from. And yes, I think in a, in, a, in a many respects, um, not to get too heavy here, but we are still in a war. I was about to say that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, the wars, the face of the war has changed. But, you know, we're actually, we don't realize it, but we've normalized our post-traumatic stress mm. uh, as, as South Africans. And uh, sometimes we make light of that and we embrace it. But the truth is we are like... Like Johnny, we've come out of this horrible experience, and now we're trying to process. And I think uh, in many respects, like I said earlier, I think we're still asking those questions. We're still day-to-day, every time we open the newspaper or go onto a news site, um, we have to reevaluate those questions. You know, what's going on? What is, where are we in our battles and wars that we are fighting in the country right now? So mm. it's, it's epic stuff. Do you know what's funny? I, I'm married to a New Zealander, and like I'm he, sorry. No, no, please don't apologize. <laughs> According to some people, my passport married up. So <laughs> my passport's not very unhappy. But um, this is one of the biggest things that we struggle about is is the this, this stuff that we're still grappling with as a exactly. nation. He looks at me and he goes, why is that still an issue? And then yeah. I'm trying to break it down and explain. And then you don't just have the, the sort of. A big global warfare in the country. You also have the the sub and yeah, the intracultural yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. and the and I'm sitting here as a as a as a colored person and I'm thinking I'm seeing that just that that what's that bomb that H bomb thingy? I'm seeing mm, them Hiroshima. coming and I'm like Lord, I can't stop yeah. it. But mm. I'm not part of it. But I'm like part of it. But yeah. and then I'm like yeah. this and I'm sitting here pregnant and I'm freaking out quite frankly because I see that and mm. and the way we work we work on emotions and vibes and. Feedback from people And the feedback Unfortunately I don't know about you But I'm very open To that I, I have to let it in Not to the degree That I do now But I have to let it in In order for me To then reflect it back Whenever yeah. we work Absolutely So we're like Seeing the stuff From all angles And just realizing That there is no way Of processing There's no mechanism By which we can even say This is what's going on Well I, I, I want to jump in there and I was, for me, that's what, the role that theater plays. Because I think, you it's know, true. the minute you take any situation as banal or as mundane as it can be, the minute you put it on stage, all of a sudden it gives it laser focus. True. Something happens when you take a moment and you put it onto a stage and you have an audience observing it. It kind of, um, concentrates what's happening there, gives it, gives it a, um, a substantial weight or, or, or meaning. Mm. And I think, I think that's the business that we're in. We're in the business of telling stories. And, and I think the key is theatrically, I, I think people have fallen into the trap of coming to see a show and expecting to get answers. Mm-hmm. And, and that is not the role of theater. Mm-hmm. Theater is there to provoke, to, um, incite you to uh, think. To, yes, to, yeah. to be a catalyst for the audience to walk away and to ask those questions within themselves. Because I think we, we are, we're desperately searching for some mm. person or some group of people, whether it's a party or a person or whatever it is to give us the answers. And I think those answers can only be found within each in, individual person. Which means the audience need to work. Absolutely. You know, it, it's, Ooh, it's, we it's, know it's, they don't want to do that. Unfortunately, if you watch attendance, that's yeah. kind of where it's going. And like we're sitting, well, I agree with Craig. One of my, my biggest love actually is theater because that's what I trained mm. to do. And it's quite bizarre how for the last few years people have gone, Oh, you're a TV personality. I'm like, what? No, I'm an actress. Just. Mm. One yeah, who happens to be able to present. Yeah, yeah. The two don't sit in the same body often, but 
that means an actress has to be very comfortable mm. with who she is to be able to be herself in front of people and be okay with that. Sure. But theater is that that most like I said, it's when it works, it is it's magic. so incredibly magical. You mm. cannot you cannot put it in words and. By the same token, I see so many of our current celeb force calling themselves thespians. And I cringe because even after my training, I still don't do that. Mm -hmm. Because I know there's this massive gap in my education. There's so many plays I haven't read, so so much I haven't seen. Mm. But it is incredibly powerful. Mm. And you don't get to see half of... The theater population and the talented people because just, they're not on TV. Sure. There's a massive, yeah. massive, it's almost, almost underground movement in mm. our country. And, and it's kind of, if you, if you're not on television, then well, you're not an actor. Yeah, you don't you exist. Know, no, no, you're well, a nobody. You know, what is that? And if you don't have a Twitter following over 10,000 people, you're, you don't have talent. For sure. Well, I think it's, it's interesting because I think in our industry, you, you have, um, people who work in television, people who work in theater, then you get those people who cross over. But I think, People in television envy people in theatre and vice versa oh, for totes. different reasons. You know? ooh, ooh. <laughs> quickly, quickly, Craig, give us some details about Johnny Boskak. Where right. can we find this guy? At the Market Theatre. It opened last night. It runs until the 4th of December. So bookings at themarkettheatre.co.za. Twitter handles, what are we looking at? Uh, yes, uh, hashtag 40 years of storytelling. That's yeah. the Market Theatre. Oh, also hashtag Market Theatre. Um, hashtag feeling funny. Yeah. Any of those will uh, find you uh, to those sites. Fantastic! Uh, yeah, awesome. And Ellie, before we before we go, what 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 what's cracking very quickly in your life? What what can we expect from you in the, in the coming making, months? Making a midi kiwi South African you mix. Know? <laughs> uh, um, I'm starting in the new season of uh, For Underlinger with Alan yeah. um, I've replaced Kim there She's busy with Benelanders. Um Still doing on Baitsark on CakeNet as well um, And then just continuing doing a lot of voiceovers I was a chicken last week oh. I was fascinated I recognized you Did you? <laughs> it was the most bizarre thing But it was so much fun So I do a lot of voiceover Montague work and then, <laughs> Well, not quite I think it's a generic chicken <laughs> I don't know I felt the Montague coming <laughs> I was you know most men. Well, you know my mom's nickname was no no no. Wait, my mom's nickname was Kippy because my son is Cupid. In Afrikaans, he said Kibidu, no? So like Kippy. VJ Cockadoodle Doo. It was so bizarre, out of body. I love it. Lots of stuff and my music whenever I can. The two of you, we gotta close the show. Come on, man. Get you back soon. Fine, be like that. That was Eloise Cupido and Craig Morris. We love you guys. Thank you. Please go see their work. It's great stuff. And of course, thank you for joining us in studio. To all our guests, Chris Emmanuel, David Emmanuel, not related. And of course, Chatty Matty. What a great show. What a way to do this. Kick ass. Kick freaking ass. I know. Listen, I'm a picture. Do you need a picture of us looking fabulous? Yeah, we'll, we'll get all those okay. photos in a moment because you're all fabulous. <laughs> Don't forget that you can uh, download this podcast if you want to share it. Uh, and of course, uh, yeah, keep in touch. And uh, we're back next week. Fun stuff, uh, Matty. Lots of great things happening next week. Great guests, as always. Uh, and, of course, uh, yes, this is the unviewed, the thin, the rich, and the fabulous. Matty, which one are you? The I, fabulous, the thin, or the I'm rich? still trying to figure out, but I'm going between the, the rich and the fabulous. Well, not the rich. Just I'm, I'll stick to fabulous today. Fabulous. Okay, we'll I got pink and on, so and they're fabulous. So. Thank you for joining us, Matty. Be good, and of course, from Nisner, I'll be under the sea tomorrow. So uh, we'll be telling you all about that. <laughs> Please come back up. Please come back up. <laughs> we'll try. Let's see the swells. Cheers, everybody. <laughs> the Unview, the Thin, the Rich, and the Fabulous on CliffCentral.com. This is CliffCentral.com.